You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechFan Podcast number 471. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen, all the way over in the UK. How are you today, David? I'm okay. That's good. That is excellent. I would hate to hear that you were not okay. Well, I've had a cold a week. You've had a cold? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I think a lot less people got sick the last couple years for non-COVID-related sicknesses simply because of mask mandates. Mask and uh, also, yeah, staying at home all. Yeah, that's true, too. You stay at home, and you, or if you wear a mask when you go out, a lot less chance of getting sick. You know, uh, in a lot of Asian countries, especially Japan, wearing masks were the norm for decades. If you weren't feeling good, you even suspected you had something, you'd wore, you'd wear a mask so you wouldn't get everybody yeah. else sick. Yep. Um, at least here in the U.S., we don't. People here don't give a crap. They'll get someone else. Uh, just you stay home, then if you're worried about getting sick. Well, no, I, I, Freedom. America. I've got to go to work. You know, I've got to wear and I can't afford to uh, yeah. stay at home. You know, the thing, the same thing here is that certainly in, in the in office life in the UK, I know loads of people who can have the world's most terrible cold and they'll still come into work. And it's yeah. like, you don't have to do that here. We have sick pay. Yeah. We have work from home. You don't need to be here. Oh, I'm going to come in. And it's just like, you know, yeah, thanks. Now, now we all now we all get it. Yeah, it's inconsiderate people are not, um, I don't know. I, I don't think they teach that here in Western culture enough, you know? I think they're better at that in, in Asian countries. And just wearing masks when you don't feel good is a prime example. Yeah. In in the Western world, there's more importance put on, you, you show up to work. Hey, you don't feel good. You suck it up, buttercup. You get to work. So, so here's the interesting thing. Now that we are coming, you know, and I think everybody recognizes we are we are coming out of the. Yep. We are transitioning from pandemic to endemic. Yep. So, COVID's not going away, but um, a lot of people have been have been vaccinated, which means that it doesn't reap its way through the population like it did at the beginning, and so things are starting to get back to some semblance of normal. So, where I work. Um, we we basically we have a, we're still on flexible working and, and the attitude is you don't need to come into the office unless you need to um, and so and most people don't need to because we can all work effectively from home like we have for the last few years the contract I'm on which is with the uh, the UK civil service they have issued one of these um, kind of back to work mandates and they're talking about hybrid working but they're still saying well yeah 40% of the time you need to be in an office yeah, Apple just <laughs> yeah. Apple just said that. I think theirs is more like sixty percent. Yeah, and it, and right. So I I, <laughs> I read a good Dilbert cartoon this morning about this, where he said, "You know, why do you want me to come back in the office? Well, it improves communication." And <laughs> Dilbert's going, "Yeah, but yeah, but all it does is is people just interfere with my work. You know, I I I it puts fear in my voice when I hear steps behind me because somebody's going to come and distract me and everything like that." He says, "He says, frankly, it's terrifying after what we've been through, and I and uh, and the anxiety is is making me feel unwell." And then the boss goes, "Oh yeah, and also it's better for morale." Yeah, <laughs> that's know. about right. <laughs> um, I think it depends but, on the business. I mean, obviously, my business there is. I have to go. <laughs> occasionally i have to go to work <laughs> it's kind of hard to sell cars from home yeah. i say that but 
probably three times a, a month, I actually will sell a car on my day off when I'm working yeah. from home. But of course, selling a car now means I take a deposit and, you know, I let them know when it gets here. Um, but I still yeah. have to go to work. I mean, yours, yours, you, let's face it, you are in a form of, it's not normal retail, it's not like grocery shopping, no. but you are in a form of retail and retail involves people meeting each other yep. uh, and communicating with each other. Now, in my job, it involves meeting and communication, but the thing is we don't need to do it physically. And in fact, for the last two years, we haven't been. Um, what I find interesting is that, the, you know, a lot of these civil servants who are going to have to go up to London because that's where most of these jobs are based, two days a week. Or, or and, and in, in, our, in our team, we're being told it's an average of two days a week. And nobody's saying over how long that average needs to be. So there's a little bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink there. Right. Yeah. But a lot of uh, regular civil servants will be expected to commute into London two days a week to do their jobs and uh, it just fascinates me that they've been doing it for two years without having to do that and presumably everything is yeah and in in a crisis situation as well and everything has kind of continued to tick forward well for those Uh, and now and now it sounds very arbitrary when they say well two days a week is what's required to get the job done yeah well you know businesses want to get back to normal yeah I I don't I I don't blame them in, in that regard but Things are different now. They just are. Yeah. Speaking of different, did you see uh, the Ars Technica article that Roku, of course, they're the makers of dongles and software inside smart TVs, a lot of them anyways, the majority of them actually, are looking at possibly making their own TVs. And it looks like, according to the reporting, that they've been thinking about this for over a year now. Yeah. And it, to me, I, I was I was thinking about this the other day, and it kind of makes sense in that, look, they, they make the software that a lot of smart TVs use as the default in their TV. So it's they're basically a hardware manufacturer at that point, and they leave all the software to Roku. And those who don't have Roku software, it's very popular to buy one of these little boxes or USB stick to put in your TV and then use that as the brains, if you will, of the TV. And Roku's entire business model has been, hey, if you subscribe to Netflix through Roku, they get a cut of that. Uh, They have advertising, so they get a cut of that. Um, And, of course, they charge these uh, smart TV makers a fee for every TV that they sell with their software running on it. So that's been their, you know... But they want, I think... I think they want to control the last mile. And what I mean by that is they want the hardware too. And I I don't blame them. If you want the best experience, if you want to make the best stuff, and I think Apple has proved this, you got to make the hardware and the software. Yeah. You know, and I don't don't see an issue here. There's a lot of, I mean, what's the best TVs out there right now? People go, meh, I don't know. Because they're, they're all about the same, right? No, I, I agree with you, I th- and we've advocated buying Roku TVs. So yeah. I think they've had a limited uh, collection. I, of, I like of, their stuff a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, from Walmart and um, Costco and places like that. Um, I think the problem is there's uh, a risk, a real risk here. Uh, and I think the, ob- the object lesson in this, if you look at Microsoft, for many years Microsoft just did the software. They dabbled in hardware, they did keyboards they did um mice uh 
they did a few bits and pieces uh, that you could buy with Microsoft thing, Microsoft branding in. But then 2013, they decided to get into computers and they started, started with the Surface tablets. And over time, that has expanded into Surface laptops, yep. Service Book, all that sort of thing as well. Now, those are pretty well regarded in the industry. But um, I know from experience having to deal with Microsoft and having to service them and use them sometimes in our own company, they are very much a niche player in the computer hardware business, right? I don't think they're, the Surface devices are necessarily that much better for for Microsoft owning the whole widget. Um, you would think they would be, but actually, in reality, there's been plenty of Windows 10 and Windows 11 bugs on Surface devices, despite the fact that Microsoft owns the whole thing. And the downside is that if you have any of the... Uh, a problem with the devices in the areas that Microsoft is not specialised in, which is the hardware itself and the service and support associated with the hardware, they're, pre- they're not great. They're uh, pretty terrible often. You know, they... Um, they have pot, they've designed devices that aren't easy to maintain. So uh, effectively, I get your analogy, but I don't think it holds up here. And the reason for that is, take the software out of a television package, right? Yeah, they're all pretty much the same. And I think at this point in time, unlike say ten or even twenty years ago, or thirty years ago for that matter, I don't think consumers have a brand loyalty to a television. I don't think anybody says, I have to get another LG or I have to get a Sony. You could buy a Sony anymore. I don't I don't think anybody is that person anymore. I think they're buying on price point or yep. features. It's one or the other. You're either buying the cheap biggest TV you can afford or you're buying the best TV you can afford and you're only looking at specs. And, and those yep. are the two categories. And I think Roku could succeed uh, and and probably would succeed in the low-end television market way better than they could on the high-end. I think there is more of a risk on the high-end televisions, the 7K, 8K type of things that cost $3,000, as opposed to going directly after LG and whoever else, Vizio, going directly after them to make televisions. Because... At this point, I think most people that are buying televisions, they know what Roku is. And all of yeah, these other TV brands, if they have the Rokus built in, has Roku splashed all over the boxes. Yeah. So I think they uh, could capitalize on their branding, uh, uh, the popularity the, yeah. of the name, and sell the TVs themselves. So Even I if it's a five percent more per unit than they're getting right now. But I th- yeah, I think but I think that, that is the conundrum. You've kind of put your finger on it there. Because the problem is, what is the brand expectation of somebody buying a Roku TV? They're saying, well, this is a company I know and I trust. I'm going to buy this one over the TCL or the LG or something like that, a company I'm not as familiar with, because this has got a brand name I recognize on it. But associated with that is is an assumption that it, it will be a better product, whereas in fact... It won't be because Roku... But it doesn't matter no, at the low Roku, end. It well, doesn't it matter. Does, no, it, it, I'm sorry. If it, it doesn't, it doesn't. matter, if, if it does matter, if it breaks, uh-uh. you're well, going to want to ring up the phone and speak to somebody and say, what do I do about this? And unfortunately, because Roku is not used to manufacturing, yeah. to having the manufacturing supply chain for TVs compared to LG or TCL, which is their whole business, they're going to be at a disadvantage. And what will happen is the, the users well, who encounter... 
Well, what could happen, yeah, is the users who encounter a problem will have a worse experience than if they'd gone with the other brands. I, and I the, disagree, and so th- because well, the I, other brands are terrible at it as well. Well, Every okay. one of them is. Then fine. In that case, Roku hasn't, apart from that, that name recognition, it doesn't really have much of an advantage. And so, you it, know, they, it does they have they to... Pull, if they eventually get into making their own TVs, they eventually pull their software built into the other smart TVs. You could still get Roku on them as long as you get a, a, a physical hardware. And they do have, let's be honest, they do have experience in making hardware. They make the little boxes and the little dongles. Yeah, is that different than a TV? Sure it I, is. But yeah, exactly. TVs I, nowadays I are not to, to complex. An, They're not to complex use another, an, To use another analogy, um, you know, let's see if this one sits with you any better. But remember back when we first started finding about Apple and Project Titan, which is their notional car product of some description. When that first came out, uh, when it first became public, people started saying, what, Apple making a car? You know, Apple are great at electronics, but they've no experience in making cars. An Apple car would probably suck. Yeah, because it's a big complicated thing that's completely different from what Apple normally does. Now, I think... This is the situation Roku is getting itself into. There's a big difference between making a, a circuit board with a with a connector and a and a um, case around it, which is what Roku devices are, and making a whole TV. I disagree. And I, I think TVs I think, are a commodity product now. They're not well, very yeah, but complex. That, see, this is this they're, is they're still not complex, the, David. This is still the problem. Then in that case, how does Roku differentiate itself from all the other people Branding. running Roku software and inside their TVs at the moment? Because they'll well for the moment. And that's the key. I think if Roku got into their own TVs, they'll allow the licensing of their software and other TVs um, temporarily while they get their footing and to see if they can make a go of it. But eventually, they will pull those licensing agreements. And if you want a Roku, you got to buy one of their little boxes, dongle, or their TVs. And I think yeah. I think okay. that's a way better idea. How is this any different than Amazon making their own TVs? Well, Amazon made Amazon tried to make their own phone, remember? And it was a disaster. Absolutely. Yeah. And remember, yeah. It, to use your own analogy, let's go back to that one. People were looking at Project Titan. Let's go back 15 years. Well, 17 years. Oh, my God. Apple's going to make a phone? Are they crazy? They, what do they know about making phones? They make laptops and computers. Uh, phones are fact, totally fact, different. Yeah. And, and what I, that's exactly my point. No. Uh, well, exactly, how they do? You know, because, because, how do they do? Because they, Apple pulled it off, but it, it took incredible amount of investment and risk. And they pulled it off. They could have easily have failed. I agree. And I want to, you, if you're suggesting to me that Roku is the same sort of company as Apple, then I've no evidence for that. I, good luck to them. And, and I hope they pull it off. Don't get me wrong. I hope they pull it off. I'm, what I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I think history is listed with plenty of companies that tried to get into products outside their comfort zone and found it was just a lot harder than they realized. But I think this is in their comfort zone. It's 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 not like Roku is going to set up their own plants and make their own TVs. Well, Everybody's using about to. no, they don't. If you make, Everybody if you make uses the, like four factories to make TVs well, in worldwide. That, it, it, then then how is it any different than buying a TV? Branding. Uh, yeah, but the, but the, as I said, I think I think the problem is the branding doesn't mean an awful lot if the TVs are just as crappy as, as the as the ones from TCL. But that's what people yeah. are buying now. Why not control yeah, and, the last and, mile? I well, would if what, I was them. I think it makes total what sense. What advantage does it give them? Money. You've just you've just said that, that money. You well, yeah, the, the, they've got to invest a lot of money to be able to make not that really. happen. Not really. Uh, it's yeah. not as I'm, it's not as difficult as you think. 
TVs well, have been commoditized for at least when we're talking about the smart TVs of this generation, it's been going on for about seven years now, right? Smaller, lighter, smaller as far as like thinner, um, not very expensive. I mean, I can go to Walmart today and spend 500 bucks and probably get a 65 inch television mm-hmm. in 4k that looks brilliant. And of course, if it breaks in four years from now, it's not like I spent $2,000. No, And but, I think that's the mentality. And I think that's why Roku could jump ahead of a lot of these also ran companies. Nobody has any brand loyalty, but people do know that, Roku. And well, I yeah, but, take advantage of it. But the TV, their TVs have got to be better. No, they don't. Than the t- well, they like, don't. Because, no, they won't. Because how can Roku, with limited experience in the industry, produce a TV that's cheaper than the TCL? They don't have to be cheaper or they better. Have, they could be at the same price point. You've just said there's no brand loyalty. So there's right. no brand loyalty. It's easier with t- for TCL, with their larger manufacturing capability, to turn around and say, well, we're going to under- undercut the Rokus by 10%. No, there's no brand loyalty, but we'll be 10% cheaper. People will buy ours. Correct, I think except it's brand loyalty. business. There is no brand no, loyalty. You You're right. But yeah, there, there is, is no- a loyalty to, hey, I recognize Roku. Well, that, you can't. You've just made two. Uh, I'm two talking contradictory about. Statements. No, I'm saying they don't have any brand loyalty to a TV brand. Right. They do have. People do have a loyalty to smart TV stuff now. I I have all my stuff on Plex. I have all my stuff on yeah. Roku. I'm not going to buy well, this yeah. I, if I've got two TVs and they're identical, and this one has Plex and Roku built in, and this one doesn't. Then I'm and this one has Google whatever. I'm probably going to go with the Roku one because but I recognize it, it, the brand and yeah. I've used it on my last TV. But you just said, we said before, to, to enter this market, they're going to have to keep licensing to the other TV systems. Temporarily. So I don't, I don't see, the, the, that's the difficulty, I don't see what their differentiation is apart from the brand. But at the, at the brand this, is everything. At, no, yeah, but you've just you've just said there is no brand loyalty. It's actually on the buyer, everything. but for them, brand is everything. Yeah, that's, but that's the only thing that the, they have. That's the only thing but, they're going to bring to the table. But the, for the, from the buyer's point of view, we we agree. I completely agree. At that, at the bottom of the market, there is no brand loyalty. Right. So I, I don't think their brand differentiates them enough to justify their disadvantages in price. I think um, it, I think it does simply because people are they know the name, and it's probably the one of the only names in the television market people actually recognize at this point. I, I, with I, Sony gone, I mean, yeah, but nobody but is rushing TCL. out to get the new Google software TV. No. But a but TCL or LG TV is going to have Roku on the box as well. And I think at that point... Until they get up go, and oh, running well. Uh, this one, well, yeah, but then you've bought it. It's too late then. I think at that point people are going to go, hey, this one's $30 cheaper. I'll save 30 bucks. Oh, that's yeah. definitely a possibility. But I don't think that Roku's going to grow any unless they get into the hardware actual making the TV business. Where else is there for them to go? They can't keep making dongles because eventually all these smart TVs, and let's be honest, there's about, what, eight TV makers out there, um, and including, surprisingly enough, Amazon. That's the other one. Why does anybody buy an Amazon TV? It's, it's not price point. They're the same price point as everything else, but they were popular. Why? Because there are people loyal to their software. I, I'm an Apple you know, prime member. So this has got that built in. Oh, I'm going to go with that. I live in that universe. I think Roku has way more users than Amazon prime members, way more. Yep. 
And, so, and I agree with you, the dongle business is ultimately going away. It's going away. Because it's supplementing the software and the TVs. Correct. And most people can't be bothered with it. Right. Um, you know, so I, so I just, if other I, manufacturers like Amazon and Microsoft and Google are going to start making their own built-in OS, where does that leave Roku? They have to get into the hardware market when it comes to actual TVs long-term. Otherwise, they're going to become an, an also-ran. They're going to be a TiVo. Mm-hmm. What it was just software after a while and yeah. then it disappeared you remember, just, remember when tivo the, first came yeah. out it was an actual tivo box yeah. and they were super hot and then the cable companies kind of built their own software and gave it away for the most part when you yeah. got a cable subscription and all of a sudden tivo become a software company and how long did that last them roku probably sees that as a roadmap where they don't want to go if you don't I, control I, the hardware you're, you could event it it could be disastrous for you but I, I just uh, I think the problem the the difficulty faces they're entering a, as you, as we both very agree, competitive a com- very competitive yep. commodity market and but, I think it's really hard to compete in that space on features and value. And I agree, but if anybody can go in and make a big difference, uh, well, maybe not a difference, but a, a big push into profitability and making TVs that people will buy. I don't think there's another company other than Roku. It's not Apple. Nobody's going to go out and we've been talking about not you and I so much, but other people have been talking about Apple making their own TVs for what? 20 years? 20 years. Yeah. yeah. G Monster, G Monster every call. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. let's be honest, how difficult would it be for Apple to make a flat panel TV with basically an Apple TV box built into it? It'd be trivial yeah. for them to do that. But, yeah, but they're not doing it. They're not doing it. And, right. and I, I think Because they don't it. have the recognition or the popularity with Apple TV as Roku does. Yeah, Apple TV I, I, is a bit player, and it, and it always has been, and I think it will always be that, unless Apple goes out and acquires somebody like you know Paramount. Or, well, see, see, Apple's doing the opposite. And instead of making... they Apple is perfectly placed to make their own hardware, and instead what they're doing is they're pushing Apple TV to make it as available as possible on everybody else's devices. Right, but it's becoming less of a, a plug-in box now, and it's just an app on the TV. Exactly. So maybe that's ultimately is the destination for Roku as well. But that's um, where Roku already is. That's the issue. Because if these other manufacturers start making their own built-in OSs on their boxes, they don't need Roku. Why pay Roku no. anything well, cause, when your yeah, Roku- TV software also has Apple TV and Disney Plus and all of these yeah, other did things? You, did you know that Roku has a streaming service? Yeah, I've watched some of their content, and it's actually quite good. They yeah. generally do stuff in smaller chunks, um, and I think because when they kind of set up their own st- kind of studio thing, um, this short video was all the craze. And because of long production times and COVID somewhat, um, all of their newest content is that smaller 13-minute little bit yeah. shows. Um, and some of them have been very good. But, again, a lot of people don't know about it because the Roku OS doesn't push that content out the way I think they would want to if they controlled the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're it's it's actually pretty good content. They yeah. also picked up uh, some of YouTube's or, or YouTube's originals. I know that uh, um, Netflix, for instance, picked up the Cobra Kai series from YouTube, but Roku picked up some of their stuff too. And there was another company that oh, it was all the big splash like three years ago, and then they quickly died. 
and they were their whole thing was short little original content stuff. They went out of business, and Roku picked all their stuff up too. Mm-hmm. So they've made some pretty good um, dipping your toe into original content, which personally I think is way more difficult to succeed in than, especially in today's day and age, than it is building your own TVs. That's way safer of a bet than making your own content yeah. nowadays. There's so uh, much content. Nobody, the, you know, you know what we really need, David. Here's your, here's our billion dollar idea. We need one interface that you can install on a TV or a website or what have you that does an excellent job of showing you all of the original content and what's worth watching. I know mm-hmm. there's sites out there that do it, but they're always janky and junky and something that's just freaking top notch. You just push a button and it launches that service and plays the content. You got to sign in eventually, yeah. but that's 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 something that Apple TV tries to do. It's awful. Uh, Apple's yeah. solution. I'll give you, here's a prime example. I wanted to watch a scene in Men in Black 3. And somebody at work was mentioning it. I was like, I want to go watch that scene. I yeah. own Men in Black 3. I bought it on um, Apple TV, you know, yeah. or iTunes at the time. Yeah. It's downloaded on my computer. I have the Apple TV app on my computer. No matter what I do, I can't play that video. I hit play and nothing happens. Apple software, when it comes to Apple TV on the Mac is janky and it doesn't work it's it's garbage apple's interface to apple tv if you're a subscriber even after you sign in is absolutely atrociously bad for a company Mm -hmm. who made their bones on gui graphic user interface they do not know what they're doing when it comes to apple tv it is bad it is by far the worst i think you could argue that at the moment apple's Long, long held and well deserved reputation for interface design is kind of is circling it's on the, the rocks. I would yeah, agree it's, with it's you been, there. It's been terrible for you. They, for they need to bring someone now. in that really understands GUI and and it's I'm not, not talking that. about the dock or, or icons on the desktop. I'm talking about you know how you interact with Apple software. Yeah, and it's just yeah. you. You nailed it. It's circling the toilet. It's just really bad. Well, um, Apple TV is a good example. So prime um, example, a prime example, uh, and not, not like, prime, yeah. not an Amazon yeah. prime. I, I was wondering if you were going to yeah. get that little. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, Amazon's whole interface is awful as well, but not as awful as Apple's. They're all, they're all awful, to be no, honest. No, Netflix has got it. I would say about eighty no. percent right. Yeah, well, the problem with Netflix, and and here's the thing that bugs me about Netflix, is that you go to Netflix, and when I go to Netflix, the first thing I want to see on the screen is a link to the stuff I was most recently watching, so that I can go back and continue to watch it. Netflix, Amazon as well, um, does not surface that. The, they, yeah, oh, it's, it's, go, it's on the main screen, but you got to scroll down for it. You, well, yeah, but you. sometimes it's really hard to find yep. among Agreed. all the all the ads for the new stuff they want. And, yep. and, and the thing is, is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see ads for new stuff. I want to go back straight back to what I was watching before. Yep. And and that's the thing that annoys me about Apple. Disney, or, yeah, I, who's that getting Apple that used, right is Disney. Disney's doing yeah. a pretty good job of that right there on the main screen. Continue watching. 
and it will show you the last four things if you didn't finish continue watching that's the way to do it yeah but but um, the others are terrible and that really irritates me i've been trying and the other thing i uh, i found recently so the marvel netflix shows left netflix at the end of february and they're going to be appearing at disney plus next week correct um but at the time they left netflix we didn't know that because it hadn't been announced so i i've been i've had those in my play queue for years i think it was about um halfway through the lot basically after the the defender series i kind of never got around to picking up the rest of them and i thought what well, i better start working my way through these before they disappear so i watched um i watched the whole of the second season of jessica jones yeah started onto luke cage um Which the second season of luke cage yeah it wasn't really great no but anyway i kind of worked my way through it but yeah i i started encountering this problem i couldn't find the damn things every mm-hmm. time i came back to netflix yep apple Apple TV, as well, I was watching a lot of these on Apple TV, the the thing at the top where it says, you know, jump back to where you've been watching, they weren't appearing there either. It was really irritating. I, you know, I just got really, really frustrated with how hard this this simple thing should be, and then then it's not, you know. Uh, And, of course... After they disappeared, I uh, ended up pulling a whole load of them and putting them on my Plex server, and then I get irritated because my Plex server won't... I can watch them on my Plex, except for the times it stops working, which has been recently. Um, and uh, then they're really... You, well, you try and download them to your device, and then the Plex goes, oh, you've got, to, you've got to pay a subscription for that. And you're thinking, why? Why do I have to pay a subscription to download them to my device when they're available on my server? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's not cheap either. It's a, a cost of Netflix every month. Um, it's really, really irritating. Yeah. All of it's irritating. I, I just launched Apple TV on my Mac, and it's just really bad. The first thing is watch now. And then the next tab over is Apple TV Plus. So if you click that, it, it's kind of what I was just looking at. Store. Now, can I, are these, I buy these? Can I, how do, what do I do with these? And then library. And if you go to libraries, it's just terrible, you know, uh, search. I I will say it it gives me my last searches. So I just click men in black and I don't even see, I can watch it now. It just says add to plus, you know, to, to up next, but I own this. How, how, how do I play it? There's no way to yeah. play my movie. I, I click the picture, nothing happens. It's showing me a a, a trailer. I, there's no way for me to play my movie. I own this movie. What? Where's the link to say, hey, watch this movie right now? Do I have to go to library and scroll down till I find it? Because if I do a search, it's giving me the same results. Yeah. And now I see one that says, now it's giving me a different view. Play, download, and up next. So if I'm clicking play, nothing has happened. Nothing. So it doesn't so do here's, anything. So here's the weird thing. I've lo- just launched the Apple TV app on my phone, which is the first time I've done this in literally two years. Yeah, I haven't. And, and, uh, and actually, the thing I've been complaining about on my Apple TV on the TV downstairs it's actually doing a pretty good job on. Showing it's you up, up next. next yep. It's showing up Futurama, which I know my son was watching yesterday. Starship Picard Season 2 on uh, Amazon Prime, which is um, which it, it recognises because it knows it, I watched Season 1 on Amazon Prime. Stuff from the BBC iPlayer, which I've been, which I've been watching, and the rest of the family I know have been watching. 
you know, including including shows that that I didn't watch until I, I watched a few weeks ago, it's actually done a pretty good job. But you know what? I know I'm noticing here everything it's surfacing is is everything except Netflix. Yeah. So I think the problem here is the Netflix app is not accessible for what you've been recently watching to Apple TV. Yeah. Which uh, you know again is. It's part of the... And it goes um, back to what I, our billion-dollar idea. An yeah. app that tracks what you're doing across multiple, you know, online streaming services but you'd and have to gives make you that those work, options. Yeah, you'd have to make that work without the uh, cooperation of the of the services because yeah. obviously Netflix is blocking it here. Yeah. You know. Or Apple is purposely not showing it because they're a, a fierce competitor now. Well, no, well, I, I suspect probably what it is is netflix is turning around saying, i would agree Lulu, you won't do that <laughs> yeah. i agree yeah that's probably exactly yeah. what it is um it's an yeah. issue but it's also a um what's the word i'm looking for a, a first world problem yeah okay. i mean let's be honest we're bitching about this now for a half hour almost and at the same time russia is you know in, destroying in, the free world yes and a free country. And a free and freely elected. They've completely yeah. attacked a country. And they're getting a lot of shit about it. You know, they... Um, yeah, quite rightly so. Quite rightly so. Um, it, almost all the tech companies have stopped supporting them. You can't... For instance... It, I, I hate to say this, but good. Um, but yeah. I, I feel sorry for... Uh, the Ukrainian people and what's going on there. And I feel sorry for the Russian people who don't want anything to do with invading another country um, and killing people like this. They don't want this either. It's their leaders that are doing it. Um, But at at some point, it is also on the Russian people. This is what you've allowed to happen. You haven't risen up and got rid of these and started free elections. You haven't done that. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's 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 always a conundrum. Um, You know, I, I... I pause slightly in applauding all the tech companies who've done this because, really, uh, they didn't do it straight off. Yeah. Um, They waited until there was a a lot of momentum from other companies that did it. it, Other companies and also uh, other politicians. I think think the Russians have been surprised by how far the uh, sanction regime has gone. Yeah. It's not taken an immediate effect that's hurting too many, uh, the Russian population yet, but give it a month. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now, they announced this morning really that Visa and Mastercard have said they they now don't work in Russia. I mean, these are the sort of things you actually have to do to yep. drive change. And for for everybody who says, "Oh, you know, the Russian people, it's terrible. The Russian people, they can't buy Apple products and they can't use their Visa cards and everything." I I, I just say Nintendo, well, Microsoft. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I just say as as terrible as it might be for an ordinary Russian, it's considerably less terrible than the people living in the rubble of their former apartment building in Ukraine. Yep. So uh, I have relatively little sympathy. I think you do. Unfortunately, if you live in a country, you have to suffer the consequences of your leaders' decisions. Yeah, and um, you know that is that is part of democracy. And well, people say the way that, the world you know, has well, to what work. can I do? I'm just a lonely. Well, you know, <laughs> anything you can do more than nothing is yeah, better. You're than You're not nothing. doing anything. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't bitch to me because you can't buy a Nintendo game on their shop right now. Sorry, yeah. you know. There's a whole lot more of you population than there is of your corrupt, evil leaders. Do something about it. Yeah. Um, and I, mean, I, and I Yeah, I can only hope um, that that all of these things will ultimately cause um, the Russian leadership to 
to row row back from the the way they're going, which is at the moment is continuing to be a full on you know against the civilian population, um, you know attacks yeah. with with you know large scale kinetic weapons. It's it's a terrible terrible thing to do, and to see a, a country effectively being destroyed piece by piece, shell by shell, is awful. What do you think about the uh, some of the crypto companies out there saying that they're not going to ban Russian IP addresses and stuff like that? Because a lot of these Russian oligarchs are hiding their money in crypto now, trying to get around yeah, it. And you know yeah. what? Uh, so, so the, first of all, it doesn't surprise me. I think if, if the majority of anybody who's involved in crypto had any kind of ethical or moral sense, they they wouldn't use crypto anyway. There you it's, go. It's a terrible, terrible uh, idea. The only the only saving grace I think is that um, crypto is so unstable and volatile and subject to people who like to steal other people's money. Yeah, good luck with the oligarchs. Could you imagine it, if if it's known what crypto that some of these Russian oligarchs are using? How fast groups like Anonymous is going to go in there and just rip them off? <laughs> rip it off? Yeah, exactly. So um, I hope that happens. To be I honest. do too. Absolutely, hundred percent. I don't. I don't think cryptocurrency has this uh, has enough scale and stability to support the sort of transactions these guys deal in yeah um and and the reality is is that uh, a lot of them i think were caught flat-footed and their assets have been frozen already um so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if crypto becomes a like a, a secondary parallel currency in russia but just because that's the only thing they can use do you see the um, um the russian oligarchs yacht try to make a break for it in france and yeah. france seized it <laughs> yeah exactly. it was there to get repairs done and they were like oh crap so they left before the repairs were even done it's been there for two years yeah and uh they tried to pull anchor and get out of there as quickly as possible but not ah, too late <laughs> yeah exactly and um you know I, I I certainly believe that there's look everyone's uh, the the Ukrainians have been desperate for for a no fly zone to be impl- uh, applied over Ukraine Ukraine and we can't do that because unfortunately what we don't want to do is go directly to war with Russia because that leads to a world war well and that leads wants, to nuclear war well nuclear or conventional it doesn't matter what it is 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 that we we are not seeking a direct confrontation with Russia at the no. moment and that is what that is what Putin is banking on however i think one of the things we can do in terms of um not just sanctions but also asset seizure i take the view that if a russian oligarch yacht leaves a port in a western country even if it gets away yeah then um i think there's, there's no problem at all with having um the military of the country concerned pull that yacht over before it's gone too far yep. and go uh, back to port you're not going anywhere yep. and to take action against it if it doesn't yep you know provided that fits within the legal framework of the country it's coming from 100 yeah you know what's coming out that i've noticed is the the russian military isn't as what's the word i'm looking for as power as competent (laughs) when there were there's been a lot of stories about russian soldiers winding up in Ukraine, not realizing that they were actually invading another country. They were told that they were going on drills. They were lied to. And these Russians are not prepared for what's going on. They, you know, they don't have enough supplies. The people where they're showing up hate them. I mean, there was a goddamn moment not too long ago. I watched this uh, video of this elderly Ukrainian grandmother 
giving a Russian soldier seeds, um, sunflower <laughs> seeds, telling him to put it in his pocket. That way, when his corpse is laying in the ground, something good yeah. will grow from it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. That's hardcore. <laughs> that is hardcore. It's, it's pretty, and then the Russian, good, really. gra- uh, then the Ukrainian, two Russian soldiers came up to her house begging for food. They don't have anything to eat. So she invites them in. Yeah. Gives them uh, food that is massively laced with laxatives. <laughs> and when they're shitting themselves, she goes outside, locks the doors, and burns the house down. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. I think that, I, I don't think Putin really <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think that Putin really realized he thought he I honestly I really thought he was gonna he thought he was gonna roll in there. No a lot position. of the people in the Ukraine yeah. was gonna welcome him. Yeah. And it was gonna kind of just be a thing. Like it yeah. Just like the past. That's not happening. Nope. And uh God damn. <laughs> Jesus. Don't go begging money from a Ukrainian grandmother well, if you're yeah, a Russian I've got, soldier. I've got to be honest. I mean, you know, the, the kind of the goal of a Russian soldier to go begging for food off the people you've just invaded. <laughs> well, you got to remember who the average Russian soldier is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he's um, you know, from some village out outside of the uh outside the cities yeah and uh you know he signed up because they, he got paid and he got fed not because he's a a committed putin fanatic yeah you know russia has the economy of new york's that's what it's basically what they are they, they have the same economy as new york the state yeah. that's it they're not a super rich country and no, they. The, I mean, they these, have these financial hits that they're taking right now, and that's going to continue to hit. Is just going to devastate their entire economy, and I obviously the Western hope is that's what's going to cause the Russian people to to rise up. Yeah, you know they can try to ban as much real news coming in as possible. The news is going to get out. The the people yeah. are going to learn. Well, I I think the 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 biggest the biggest problem Putin's got is actually the people around him because you know they are yes ult- yeah until, well until it starts no, hurting their pocketbook uh, yeah and exactly but yeah. but when it does then they're going to start you know these are you know Russians they, at the yeah. end of the day they're going to go you know what this guy's not doing it for us Mm-mm. who's who's next <laughs> you yeah. know who's next uh, up the on next, the line and the next Your guy turn to lead the next guy is not going to be as kind of crazy but i think actually at this point putin has gone crazy i think he is he's always been don't i've heard this from a number of people no he hasn't he's always been this guy he's ex-kgb he started four wars that he he's not doing anything more diabolical than he hasn't no but i i I think he's miscalculated this. well that's different than going crazy well what same result really isn't it he's acting at crazy. the end of the day he's acting yeah. crazy but he's always been crazy but i i think he's he's i hope we we can only hope that he's reached the point now where the guys around him go you know what this guy's not floating our boat anymore yep. let's let's uh, shuffle him off and get somebody else absolutely and that next and that next person hopefully is somebody we can have a conversation with to say look guys this isn't this is not this is not going well for you why don't we just row row back from this yep you know, no, and hopefully that happens before before Ukraine is re, the whole of Ukraine is, is turned into a pile of rubble. Yeah, let's hope. 
Anyways, let's get off that depressing subject. Yeah. Um, Apple has an event. I was kind of hoping to do this show right after the Apple event, but it'll be midweek and we can't really do that. Um, right now, it's the speculation. I think the I, a, a new iPhone SE is probably going to be released to the collective yawn of everybody. Um, don't get me wrong. It's a good phone. It's just like, meh, so what? Um, yeah, these, these things don't really justify an no, event because it's going to be the same iPhone yes. just with better better internals. I, I saw um, this mysterious thing that German is saying is possible. You, I think you're the one that linked it to 9to5Mac. Maybe it was me. A 20-inch foldable that could be a, a MacBook iPad hybrid with a touchscreen keyboard. Nobody wants a touchscreen keyboard on a laptop. No. Nobody. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I actually have a device like this. Um, I have the Lenovo X1 Fold, which basically is a similar sort of thing. It's yeah. a 13-inch laptop. Well, a 13-inch tablet. It has an OLED screen that folds in the middle. So you can fold it down to something that's the size of a netbook. Uh, this has a actually has a very thin hardware keyboard that actually sits between the screen that's Bluetooth and it kind of is charged when it's yep. when it's put between there. Yep. So when it's folded into two... Um, it's like a, it's like an eight and a half, nine inch netbook style device. And there's and only half the screen lights up and the other half, you've got a keyboard sat over it with a, with a trackpad and everything. I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a funky design. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit underpowered, um, because you know, it's from a couple of years ago. But, uh, but I, I'd imagine something like, something like this with an, with an, uh, an Apple arm chip in, with Apple sensibilities that, are, that is thinner and is, yeah, is but know, it's, it's we kind of cool, but it's not, it's not really not a necessary product. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Let's, let's take a step back from that. Let's get rid of the touch screen keyboard because that's a dumb idea, but let's say it's an actual Apple laptop looks functionally the same as what we have right now. Call it the, um, I don't know the MacBook, iPad, whatever you're going to name it. Right. Mac so Mac. when it's docked, it's a Mac. Yeah. 100% Mac. When you remove the screen, it's an iPad. Putting a dual OS in one device like this, I think, could be very intriguing. I don't know if it's... I don't have a need for a laptop, but if I did, you get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that would be at least intriguing. That I just pull it off, now it's my iPad. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to go sit on the couch and play a couple games. I don't need the keyboard sitting when I'm sitting on the uh, couch. Okay, so I, so I see. I see. The, so the design you're talking about is like the Surface Book, correct? The Microsoft one, which is basically it's a, it's a laptop, but the screen comes off, and when the screen comes off, it and then it's touch screen, right? Yeah, yeah. same thing. Okay, but yeah. we're talking two different OSs. That let's be honest, is sharing a whole lot of the code base. But it is literally an iPad when it's not docked, and it is literally a Mac when it is. Mm-hmm. Would something like that be of interest to you? Not not adding touchscreen to the Mac, because when it's when it's sitting on the dock or on the yeah. keyboard, it's a Mac, hundred percent. So I I think um, I think the challenge with that. Is not the switch between the two OSs. I think that's manageable. But I think the problem that, that Apple might face with something like that is that at the moment, and I've heard people say this already, is that now that M1 Macs are here, particularly yep. the MacBook Air, there are, I've heard people say, oh, yeah, I used to have an iPad with a keyboard. 
I use it around the house. Uh, and now I don't bother with that. I just use the MacBook because you mean the MacBook, the, uh, the iPad. The, the, no, the MacBook. They, yeah, they used to have an iPad around the house, right. maybe with a keyboard in it, one of those magic keyboards. And now they say, oh, yeah, I don't use that anymore because I got an M1 MacBook, yeah. a MacBook Air. And I've heard the opposite, so- by the way. Have you? Yeah, I've, well, heard, I've had people say, I, I had a, a, an Apple laptop and I got the new iPad Pro and it's so much more powerful and better that I just use that with a yeah. keyboard now. But the thing is with an M1 MacBook... Um, you've got these the, uh, many of the advantages you get with the iPad Pro in terms of uh, battery life, which was always what let the Intel MacBooks down. Right. Um, and and yet you get a full Mac powerful experience compared right. to the limitations of the iPad. Because as we've said before, the problem with the iPad is is not the power of internals because that is um, well up until recently it was more powerful than the, than than what we what you got in a Mac. It's now equivalent to what you got in a Mac, but the software holds you back. Right. So. I, I've heard of people who've, who've gone, you know, yeah, I used to have an iPad that was like kind of a kitchen computer and we had a keyboard on it and we would use it around the house, you know, when we do that. and then when I had real stuff to do, I had to go to my uh, my desk and use my Mac or right. I had to go and get the Mac laptop out. And now those same people are going, well, you know what, an, an M1 MacBook has the same battery life the iPad did. Um, it's not right. really you're running, bigger you're, or thinner. You're right. You're running around in circles. Get to the point. Well, so the I'm, I'm saying the point, the problem... The problem with the fold with a folding or a detachable device that that switches between the two modes is, I think, as people are found with the Surface Book, they're just going to stick with one. And at that point, it's like, what's the point? Most people with the Surface Book, I think including you, myself, I think you, who has one, I think you kind of answered that though. But it's two different devices, though. You can even put the Mac gut in the in the actual you know keyboard part of it. Yeah, and then yeah, another but, but, chip in the yeah, but, it's going to be but, an expensive what I, device. What but I, it's two what for I'm one. Saying, You're getting yeah, two what devices. I'm saying is, is, what I'm saying is, nobody's ever going to use the iPad part of that. They're just going to sure keep it will. as a Mac all the time. No, no I won't. disagree. I because there's stuff that you can do a lot easier, like playing games, the touchscreen, and that sort of thing on the iPad that you cannot do on the Mac. It's just, it's a, it's a worse experience. Reading, yeah. for instance, uh, comics as an example, it's a whole lot better on an iPad than reading on a laptop. Yeah, I think those are those are very niche uses. Most what most people use either an iPad or a laptop for is doing their email, browsing the web. And mm-hmm. I think if you're doing your email, browsing your web, on until a Mac, like what you said, until it becomes something serious where I need an, an actual Mac, it's the same device. You just go plug the keyboard yeah, in, I and know, now it's but, your Mac. But you're you're doing it in the, you're doing it on the iPad. Um, and I you said you said no yourself, nobody no, wants it's a touch the, screen. It's, it's one device. Yeah, I know, but when it's detached, two. it's an iPad. Correct. Yeah, and I'm saying it, what I'm saying is, if that device existed, nobody would ever use it in iPad mode. I disagree, hundred percent. I just, just, I don't think they would. Uh, I th- just in the same way that plenty of people now. Who if have that was the case, a then Mac why would an people, iPad in the house don't use both of them? Then why do they sell so many iPads? For for the people who don't buy Macs. That's not true. I I would I would argue that. 80% of people who own an iPad own a computer as well. Yep. Right. So I, here's I one device that does both. Yeah, I, d- I don't think the one device that does po- both is really going to tip it over the edge. I, re- I really I don't. think it would. I think it would be, it would start out hot. Everybody want one. It'd be hard to get. And then it would kind of mellow out. But then as time goes on, I think, hey, I can buy this device for twenty two hundred dollars it's you know a mac and an ipad or i can buy 
a thousand dollar iPad or twelve hundred dollar yeah. Mac. Yeah, you know what? Maybe uh, I would get this one. I think there's I think there's a market. I, I didn't I didn't say people wouldn't buy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think what would happen is a lot of people would buy it because they will be sold on the idea of having the two devices. But I think in reality that thing's if it's if it's a Mac when the thing is docked, it's going to stay a Mac ninety five percent. I don't. Time. I disagree. I, I I don't think you understand the power and how much people really love the iPad. I think I think it's going to be fifty fifty. I think people will use. Here here's my one quibble. Why can't I use the iPad if it's docked? Well, maybe there's yeah, a hard, there's a button that go Mac or. Or iPad. Well, I, I'm sure Apple would say, as they would say right now, and say, "Well, the, the beauty of the M1 is that you can run iPad apps on under Mac OS 10, and so um, that's great, and that's that's what some people do." And but you have to know then use, sucks. you know, a keyboard and a trackpad, yeah. and it sucks. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. It, it, I'm not sure it's having done it myself because I had an M1 MacBook Air. It just it. <laughs> It was the same thing for me. It was just like, well, why would I run an iPad app when I can just use the Mac for the same thing? Yeah, there was the, that, and that's the problem. Is is that if you look at the software that's available today, the majority of apps that are available for both Mac and iPad, the Mac version is better if you're running it on Mac. And once you're running the Mac version, it's just like, why would I use the iPad version, which has got limitations? Yep. So. Um, I think the reality of that type of product is, don't get me wrong, I think Apple would sell a ton of them yep. uh, because I'm sure Apple would pull off but all you, of the... But you keep thinking about these things as, you know, it's going to be a better experience on the Mac for certain apps. you got to remember how popular the iPad is when it comes to reading, when it comes to playing games. Both of those are better on an iPad than it is on a Mac. Or at the... Mm-hmm. It, maybe reading, maybe... Um, but what about a dockable, you know, you take this to the next logical conclusion. I don't want a, uh, a laptop Mac. I want a desktop Mac where I have a much bigger screen and an external keyboard and a mouse. That's my jam. That's what I want to use. Okay. So you buy this sans the keyboard, but it comes with a dock, which is basically a, like a Mac mini, maybe a little bit more powerful that mm-hmm. you just slide your your iPad in there, and it becomes a second screen if you want it. And then well, now, now here, now, now, now you're starting to talk about a product that's more interesting to me. If I can buy an it's iPad, it's the same Pro, product. It's the well, same yeah, product. If, 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 if you can basically, you if it's basically you merge the things and yeah. the and yeah, and now that that, that so I'm, I've got my iPad Pro, mm-hmm. which would it would be a newer version of the iPad Pro I have sure. today, obviously, yeah. Yep. Uh, but I can buy something that's like a juiced-up magic keyboard yep. that lets it run macOS. Now, that is more interesting. Yeah. Well, it's the same yeah. product, except because you, you keep thinking of a laptop and, a, and an iPad. It's it's the same thing. It's a portable dock if it's in the laptop mode. Right. I'm with, uh, now, uh, now I'm understanding the concept you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, it's, it's, a, it's a, coming it the other way. It's not a Mac that can turn into an iPad. It's actually uh, an, an, I- an iPad add-on that turns it into a Mac. Correct. Yeah. I yeah. think I think that 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 resonates much better because I suspect One more there thing. are plenty of people who go, you know what? I love my iPad. I just right. wish I could do more things on it. And Correct. Like, oh, you can turn it to a Mac. Oh, well, people, sudden, gonna, people are going to buy device. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the next logical step in that, I, I, iPhone. I still, I still think 
that many people who bought that device once they went once they went Mac they ain't going back and they're going to go yeah you know what I use the Mac side of it more but that I could be but because who, Apple would sell it yeah who cares if, yeah. if anybody's going to cannibalize their own business it it's wants to be, be that business yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> when I what what killed the iPod the iPhone do you think Apple was complaining mm, no. no um so the next logical conclusion to this and this is what I've wanted for many years the iPhone I, I get home from work. Yeah. I put my iPhone on a little charger that happens to be plugged into a keyboard and a mouse or Bluetooth, whatever. But you got you to gotta physically plug in for the monitor. And that iPhone is now my Mac. Yep. I get to work. Boom, it's there. It's my Mac at work now. Yeah. Because I bought a couple docks. That mm-hmm. would, to me, that would be even better than an iPad. But I think you start with the iPad because you can do the whole portable. It's got a keyboard or you can get a dock for it and use a big screen. That would make more sense initially. But long term, I, I think you could do the same thing with an iPhone. Same chip, yeah, same power. You know what? It's interesting. That, so on the Windows side, people have been doing this for a while. They've tried and they it's it's uh, it's awful. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, that, I, I think part And mostly is- on the Android side. Yeah, but actually, Windows Phone for a, for a time they had tried that. It. Yeah, yeah, they tried. They had a, a service called Continuum that allowed you to run. Um, but it, it was lacking power. But see, a lot of those has been solved by Apple with the M1 chip, yeah, and subsequently the M2 chip, which we know is probably coming within. Maybe that's one of the things that they're going to announce. Maybe this is. It's, it's the M2 chip coming out in a yeah, Mac, I, iMac I, Pro, or I don't know. I, I, yeah, I get the. I I presume that that we're going to see a bigger iMac at this event. I would imagine M2 is something they're going to save for the fall. What do you think when about they, when the they refresh the laptops? What is this uh, Mac Studio? The, um, this is this is uh, you know every time I hear this, I, I remember because this is this is guys dream mac yes. he's been talking about this for 15 years yeah which a headless is a, mac that's uh, uh, not yeah, as, com- at least as powerful as a mac or an imac but it doesn't come with a screen yeah but more powerful he, he, more robust yeah than he, a, he wants a, a shoe bo- a shoebox size mac put right. on its end yeah which basically is is a bridge between a mac pro as, right. as was back then and the mac mini yeah so it has a little bit of expansion capability on it, but it's not as full as a pro right um and um you know what? I think the time is right for a product like this. Well, Apple I had think- that product for many years, and they got rid of it. You know, kind of when they went to Intel. Um, I think that the the Mac Mini is great and all, but we I, and and the the Mac Pro and the iMac Pro is great and all, but they need to have something right between those two at a comparable price point. The seventeen ninety nine, you know, somewhere in there, or yeah, twenty two hundred dollars, but. I don't know. I, I think that the I, we the rumors have been going around for a while now that they're working on a 7K uh, Apple Studio display, a Mac called the Mac Studio. I don't know. It it seems like a weird name, but you know what the hell is an iPod? You know what I mean? So oh, I, I I don't poo poo a name that. until it happens. Yeah. Um, I think if they're going to do anything like that, I think that's probably more likely to be the big event this week. I'd hate to be in Apple shoes that are going to have a, a big event like this right in the middle of what's going on with the Ukraine, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of like, but then again, the iPod was released in the fall of 2001 and we all know what happened in September. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, I, I think Apple needs to do something. I would really like to see a new product. 
Uh, I would love to see a convergence product. I think that that's long in the tooth. I think Apple really should do something like a dockable iPad that turns into a Mac. I think that yeah. would that would be something that would really get some attention. I wonder if we're too soon into the M because, as you say, the M1 is the enabler for that. And right. I think we're too soon into the M series chips. I kind of agree with for you a product there. like that to appear. Yeah. I can't imagine they'd be having an event if it was just refreshes of iPads, iPad Pros. No, there'll the be something SE2. new. That'll be something yeah, new. So, so there's something new, yeah. and I, it probably is going to be the last remaining um, uh, products that need to transition to M1, which is the Mac Pro and the iMac, yeah. the large iMac, because they've got a small one. Um, I suspect that's what it's going to be. Um, we'll find out think, in a couple of days. Yeah, I think it's Tuesday, it's isn't it, as we Tuesday, record yeah. this on Sunday. Yeah. Speaking of recording, we're pretty much out of time here for this episode of Tech Fan. We really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Uh, we'd love to get feedback from you, and I'm going to give you an example because we do have feedback that we're going to read here at the end of the show from Brendan, a long-term, long-time listener. Um, he was talking about Spotify and that um, you know he linked to an article that says basically that Rogan wasn't as popular as people like to to make him out to be. You know that he has like 11 million people listening per episode. And they try to make that same. They they try to make this argument that that's not a big audience. You're out of your mind if you don't think that's a big audience for a podcast. For yeah. a podcast, eleven million. Now, in the population of the world, sure, no, it's not that big of a thing. But how many people watch clips or or has heard about this? And it, it, his reach is more than his eleven million listeners. It just is. But even if it wasn't, if it was just look, Dave. Let's be honest. If we had eleven million listeners on Tech Fan. Yeah. Neither one of us would be working right now. This would no. be our job. Yeah, look. And we I, I have mean, a lot of can, influence in the tech industry when we yeah, say you stuff. Can, yeah, you can argue the uh, whatever the number actually is. Um, and it's, you know, the, the numbers are numbers. There, yeah. there's, there's some complex math going on here. Right. You know what? Only The only people who know what the numbers are are Spotify, right? Um, but, but the point is it's a $100 million deal. Um, Spotify didn't throw that sort of money at him because they didn't think it was worth it right um and they think it's worth it in terms of the overall package he delivers which is listeners 100%. advertisers yeah um engagement um that all of that sort of thing now you know a little bit of prop to spotify rather than ignoring this problem when it occurred they actually they actually did something about it relatively quickly and they did what they should have done at the beginning which is they they said you know what all these podcasts we have all these policies we need to make sure they are more rigorously and um, consistently enforced in our podcasts and and you know they they've done that i think they failed to realize that they were becoming a broadcaster by taking this move um and and, and i hope that that they've learned an important lesson here um, we'll but see. in terms of in terms of Rogan's influence, you know, it, 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 the, 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 you got to remember. You look at it, just to politicize it a little bit. You look at the numbers for the last election. Yeah, it wasn't won and lost. If you'd have had a million, eleven million people on one side or the other, that would have turned turned it to a landslide for one side or the other. Yeah, it's it's not it's not how many people you've got. It's who you've got and how influential they are. And, and, and how much you can convince them to do things they might not ordinarily do. And that is that is the important thing that needs to be remember, remembered about this. Yeah, in the grand scheme of, bro- of broadcasting, 11 million is, is, well, 11 million is still a lot more people than, than it used to be. 
yeah. yeah because you know um when when you and i were growing up um we th- there were people who had um um broadcast uh broadcast um audiences of of those numbers and much much more and that was a big number in broadcast back then and as time goes on and each different part of broadcast gets segmented then those numbers get more influential yep um so uh you know yeah 11 million still that yeah, he, that. he might not be cbs or abc or anything but still not to be sniffed at yeah exactly trump trump would kill for 11 million on his new social media <laughs> so with that we're going to wrap up this episode <laughs> The show at techfanpodcast.com is the email address. Brendan knows it because he sent us email. We'd love to hear from you as well. The show yeah. at techfanpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook under TechFan, surprisingly enough. And oh gosh, Twitter at TechFan. Yeah. It's not on, it's not on the Truth Network, though. No. Um, we've been, and we've not been banned from Twitter yet. We have not. I mean, it's come close a few times, but uh, David, I will see you next week for the Geeks Pub, and I'm looking forward to that. A new episode of Picard has started. I haven't watched the first episode. By the time we get to next week, two episodes will be out there. I will be mm. caught up. I don't know if you will or not, if you have the ability uh, I, I to watch it. Will. Yeah. Watch the, I watched the first episode, the current season of Discovery, the other day. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I think yeah. it's good. So. I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm going to watch that today. I, I was kind of thinking maybe hold off until one and two was out there, but uh, I'm a sucker. I can't, I can't wait. So, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll discuss it with you next week. With okay. that, we'll see you guys later. Bye.